This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Saturday afternoon edition of the Sports Reporters assembling up there in the Northeast, as he always is, Bob Silverman of the Daily Beast. Bob, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Yeah, solid. Doing some shopping, probably going to do some laundry in a little bit, mm. tidying up the old pad, doing some transcribing. It's a, it's a busy day. What are you doing? Where are you going in stores? Or are you online shopping? Uh, no, I'm going to go to the supermarket. I went to the supermarket this morning. I had okay. my 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 tote bags and my mask, and went to the store and filled up four totes with. Uh, I got a whole I got a whole bone-in pork shoulder for thirteen dollars, eight pounds. Oh wow! That's I got a lot eight of pounds pork. of pork in my. I got eight pounds of pork in my freezer, man. I am stocked. That shit How was long on is that going to last? I was like, uh, I think, you know, a couple of months, probably. Mm, okay. Pork can sit in there for a couple months. Frozen pork. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. The more you know, the more you know. Up there. Yeah, I, I, we, yeah. we've discussed your issues with cooking for yourself. <laughs> it's not new territory, so. No. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, Meat, uh, chops, steaks. Will usually stay fine six months. No considerable damage will happen if you keep them for a year. Um, you can still eat them. The flavor may not isn't flavor texture might not be as great, but they're still totally edible. You you have a meat freezer, right, uh, Andrew? I just have a freezer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. How do you have a freezer? I mean, like, I don't, uh, we don't have enough space for it. You have, like, one of those college mini fridge things? Oh, hell no. No. Um, stainless steel fridge. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but no, like, what in my old apartment, um, we used to have, because there was, like, an adjacent, um, kind of like a, a mini shed that we had. And we, and we had, like, a, a mini, uh, we have oh not mini freezer, but we had like a a small deep freezer in there. All right, that's fine. I don't even know what a meat freezer is. Um, a meat freezer is a separate is just a freezer that is separate from your regular fridge. I don't have one to be clear. Oh, I think we have one in our house. I think my sure. you put it in the yeah you'd put it in the garage. And oh no, I thought I was in the lower there. level of the freezer. Oh, okay, never mind. No. Never mind. It, this is a separate home appliance that you would store in a place that you don't go to and open and close very often. 
it's if you have a lot a large family to get them a lot of protein so you freeze large chunks of beef and just all goes in the meat freezer did not know this is a thing yeah jesus christ chase (laughs) i've never seen one i didn't know people lived like this i didn't know that was a thing that people people owned um eat a lot of, of red meats that's that shouldn't be a surprise to you any case, my fridge is like packed. I, I, this is, that's too, it was just, look, I'm out there at the supermarket. I see on sale bone in pork shoulder and I'm like, okay, I will make pulled pork. I don't have a smoker. Granted, that's not a, a normal Brooklyn thing to have, but use it in the oven, slow cook it, roast it on the bone, put in a little liquid smoke. Boom. East Coast barbecue. Interesting. Okay. I, I'm not against it. Uh, it seems like just a lot of work when you can really just cook some, cook some good old fashioned chicken breasts on the, uh, on the stove and then cook up some uh, white rice and some, some broccoli and call it a day. That's, that's the most skip Bayless ass thing. <laughs> you guys remember that, the, the, the blog about skip Bayless and, and the chicken broccoli? Yeah, yes, I do. I do. Isn't that like just all God, he eats multiple like, times a day? He would, yeah, he would order like a week's worth of chicken and broccoli. <laughs> That's all he ate. It's up there with the all time great food based long form anecdotes. It's that, and the, there's someone else uh, about six years ago, someone wrote a profile of uh, GOP pollster Frank Luntz. And he's got a 11,000 square foot place in LA, but you can tell that he's profoundly lonely because the way he describes his, his ideal night is making a big thing of pasta and a can of Diet Coke and sitting in his giant 11,000 square foot pad and watching the newsroom. That sounds that awful. Is depressing, actually. It's so depressing and bleak. And like- the- not even bleak. That just sounds like your weekend plans either didn't come through or you cleared your weekend plans not to interact with anybody. And that's normal. The quote he gave, and I'm, I, I got to look it up now because I can't botch it. But um, the quote he made is when describing his single plate of, of marinara. Sorry, spaghetti bolognese. I didn't want to ruin the quote. Um, I'll read it for you kids. When he said home in Los Angeles, the newsroom is a high point of Luntz's week. He turns off his phone and gets a plate of spaghetti bolognese and a Coke Zero and sits in front of his 85-inch television alone in his 14,000-square-foot palace. That's as good as it gets for me, said Luntz. Yikes. Dark stuff, man. Just. Real Frank Luntz hours. Well, it's funny you say that because if you think about it, he is probably, I mean, not giving him too much credit, but in terms of like pollsters for the GOP, he's probably like the last of the quote unquote straight shooters. Yeah. But also, can can someone explain to me why everyone's mad at pollsters all the time now? And people are like ready to dunk on pollsters and like everyone's turning Nate Silver into like a villain. Like what? What is okay, this? Okay, so first off, Nate Nate Silver, 
Um, I got Nate Popper. He got demoted. Nate, <laughs> Nate Popper. Yeah. Well, okay, so, so the thing that the, the thing that killed me about Nate Silver, and, and one reason why I blocked him, is <laughs> oh no, 2016. Oh no, I'm dead. So like 2016, you know, he, he was on a roll essentially in terms of okay, this is what's going to happen, and so. You know, you have the upset in November. We all know which which one that is, and he's coming um, off like, the Indians? huh? Chicago Chicago Cubs in the World Series. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's basically saying, "Oh man, this is this is kind of a shock. Like I didn't expect this happening." And then, like over time, he would kind of pop in once uh, the. Uh, once the commander in chief would do something stupid and you would, it wouldn't be like every time, but occasionally he would pop up and like, Oh, okay. So this is, these are the numbers that kind of explain what happened. But over time it became, these are the numbers that explain what happened. Okay. There's a reason why he won. And then like he posted like a mini thread a few years ago that was like, okay, it makes sense that he won. And we're just like, Nate, but you were telling us that this was basically ball game in in mid October. Yet you're gonna come back and say, "Oh, well, <laughs> we should have seen this coming." And I'm just like, Nate, Nate Silver, shut the heck up. Just go. Just just go away. Oh my god! Look, I'll give you my here, here's my thinking about good old Nate Copper or mm. Nate Pig Iron when I'm really mad at him. Um, <laughs> The reason Nate Silver grew to such an incredible prominence this before is that back in 2012, a lot of people were very scared that Barack Obama would lose. I was one of them. Um, there was a good chance he could have lost that. After the Which first one? Debate, what, what year? 2012. Oh, yes, absolutely. There was a non-zero chance he could have lost. Mitt Romney, after the first debate, I was terrified. I was like, oh, shoot, he's going to win this. He did great in that first debate, and Obama seemed to phone it in. So, but all throughout that summer and into the fall, Nate Silver was there with his fabulous crunched numbers and was saying to everyone, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Here are the percentages. Here are the odds of him winning. Here's the formula. Here's what we're looking at. Granted, there may only be a three-point difference in the polls, but he's still up here, here, and here. And, these, you know, it was very – it was a very – it was copium is what it was. It was liberal copium. And it got even to the point there was a cartoon that ran in The New Yorker that fall right after the debate where there's a woman on a therapist's couch, and the therapist says to her, like, take two Xanax and go check Nate Silver to deal with her anxiety. Get it? That's the joke. So that's why everyone loved him. And once he stopped serving as liberal copium, liberals got very mad at him. I see, I really think it just boils down to that. He pissed off his main audience. Like the reassurance that he gave them in 2016 turned out to have been wrong. And the reassurance that he, took, he gave them in 2012 turned out to have been wrong. Granted, he's talking percentages. And in both instances, his prediction models got more right than they did incorrect. But that's not why people read him. It's not like Americans got real hot and heavy into probability and statistics. It's not like that's why they were excited by Nate, what Nate Silver was doing. 
they weren't interested in data modeling and forecasting, or let alone election forecasting. It was copium. And once that stopped being a utility, people got very, his audience got very mad, which is not entirely fair to him because it's not like that was what he set out to do. In fact, judging from his public statements, he set out to do the opposite, which was to talk about probability and statistics and data modeling. But that's not what got him a, a gig at first, like the New York Times and then uh, ABC and Disney and ESPN. What got him those gigs was liberal copia. Um, as to why the predictions were off in the way they are, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure... I got I'm not it. your go-to guy for that. You got I it? I got it. Oh, it, absolutely. Nobody wants to sure. admit that they actually did it, or that they, or they were actually going to that that they were actually going to vote for him. Nobody wants to admit it. I think you know it's a, it's a weird thing. Like the whole thing about the shy Trump voter has been a a big time trope in politics, and I think that's true to a certain degree. I don't know if it's that they're shy. I think there is a great deal of paranoia. I think. I, I honestly think that it's a little just more, I think definitionally when you are seeking out someone's informa- information, either via a cell phone poll, a landline uh-huh, poll, or even an online poll, you are already self-selecting a particular segment of the population that is not giving a true portrait of where America is. I honestly think it's a modeling thing and not a people are actually ashamed of who they voted for. I have never met a Trump voter in my entire life who was anything but loudly enthusiastic about the fact. And that may be my own self-selecting bias, but I kind of think it's just, I kind of think people are like, like people don't answer the phones and respond to pollsters anymore. And the ones who do already are, that's a particular segment of the population that is already geared towards voting a particular way. And granted, they try to correct for that, but they haven't figured out how to do it yet. Right. Well, the only reason I say that a good per- – not not all, but a good percentage – you know what it reminds me of, especially like with modern polling, especially with 2016 and 2020? It reminds me of the coaches' polls and like the – Early and mid two thousands, and really, and really part of twenty ten with the BC, like the BCS era part of the coaches' poll, where guys would like coaches would just say, "Oh, you know, just put the two, two put the two best teams on the field." But you would obviously see poll manipulation in some years, and and that's why, like, I have this kind of, you know, very. I don't know, I guess sarcastic and just very uh, standoffish take on pollsters, Nate Silver. And I'm just like, you guys can tell me, you you guys can say one thing and go to the polls and do another. And I'm not buying any of it. Um, One reason I think Nate Silver. Like, if you got a call from a pollster, would you be inclined to tell them how you. It's really weird. There was a cool poll that got run by the, by USC. and what they did was, and the way that they got around this problem of people not wanting to, and people being pissed off at pollsters on all sides of the political spectrum, is they asked people who they thought their friends were voting for. 
And so now the responsibility is lifted. You don't have to say like, well, here's my opinion. This is what I really believe. Let alone getting into the whole paranoid, like what is this person going to do with this data once I give it to them? You're just saying what your friends are going to do. And since people tend to self-select friends who are in more or less the same political bent, or at least, you know, being like, what do you think your neighbors are going to vote for? And, you know, everyone has their opinion on what their neighbors really think. And that that actually, I think, I got to go back and check, ended up being closer to the actual total. Because it's not on like, because whatever, you know, incorrect answers are, are canceled out, you know, whatever bias is leading to incorrect answers, you get a more honest response. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Well, naturally, this brings us to Victor Oladipo. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> naturally. And uh, the Indiana Pacers, who've had quite a tumultuous week to say the least um miles turner's involved he caught a stray bullet from victor oladipo's sister in the instagram comment section i believe um now victor oladipo is committed via the athletic i think to to uh to staying in indiana so there's some varying reports depending on the indy star report or the shams athletic report you're getting varying degrees of what's going on here but um yeah, this is uh this is just weird, Victor Oladipo. Um Bob, we have to start with you here because this report stated that he told other New York Knicks players when the yeah, Pacers that's, played that's, the Knicks, he wanted to come play for them. He wanted to play for the Knicks. I'm, I'm calling Bitutu. Bituta down that. That's Bituta. That's fake. Not real. False. <laughs> False. No one told I Christ. Depot is Getting around all the all the gossip around it, he's I it is I, I really wonder where he's gonna end up. I can't see it now that there's all been all this dirty laundry aired, I can't see him staying in Indy. But who's gonna give up anything for him? He is one, possibly washed. You know, didn't really show much coming off the, the year he missed with the knee injury. He's twenty-eight. He's in the last year of his contract. So I mean, the only place I could see him going, which which would make a lot of sense, is Dallas. Like, tell Dallas to, you know, give away if you Tim Hardaway plus an asset should be enough to get him, which is really, really quite the come down for a player who was looked at, who was an All Star two years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it makes me sad. I like watching Victor Oladipo, but he really was only good for about. He had one really good year, and kind of that's been it for him. Yeah, no, he um, he went at LeBron. I said, the sad next part of this this podcast is when you start mentioning a certain player that everyone calls Bodie. That's when the sad Nick comes. <laughs> up. So I'm I'm keeping that hip pocketed for now. Andrew, what do you make of this? I'm so okay. So the whole Victor Oladipo thing, I'm like, oh. A player on a mediocre to below mediocre team wants out. Okay. First time for everything, right? Um, the part that pissed me off, and I may go on this tangent regarding uh, the NBA social media and why I'm kind of not a I'm not a fan of the off season is 
all of this and like when I saw the Instagram drama, I I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, fine, you know, if 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 there's beef, let them settle it. Fine, but I just hate watching that stuff play out in terms of oh well, this person said this, this person said that, and everything gets so screwed up, and nobody's gonna you know. Hell, if if Victor wants to stay, go ahead and stay. But it seems like just watching all this stuff play out and, you know, trade rumors and all this, it it's so annoying. <laughs> like, the season's about to start, it feels like, in 48 hours. And there's going to be so much movement going on. Victor, if you want to stay, fine. If you don't, then... Indie, find a way to ship them out something like i just i'm not a fan of the off-season drama in the whole oh man this league is so crazy like it's yeah it's 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 worth a few clicks and it's worth some drama but just just play the damn game <laughs> i just I think it's interesting because the Pacers are close and they're in this like weird crossroads where they already had questions about the, the fit with Turner and Sabonis and whether or not they could pay them both and play them both long term. And it's like, probably not. And Turner should be able to get them something. And the Celtics have some interesting pieces they could throw it. Andy, you could do the, the, the thing that we all want, which is Hayward for Turner. And that solves a lot of problems for both those teams. And then you're thinking about if they trade Oladipo, they have Malcolm Brogdon's contract, which, I mean, he's a ticking time bomb from an injury perspective, but the whole point of getting Malcolm Brogdon was because you wanted to pair him with Victor Oladipo long-term. Now, if he's gone, then what do you do with Brogdon? Does he come on the trade market? Does Sabonis stick around long-term? Do they do a full rebuild like TJ Warren, who was just, it feels like forever ago, was like Michael Jordan the bubble for a little bit? And where does he fit long term? Like, what do the Pacers do if Victor Oladipo really does one out? And also, how do you bring back Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo? How do you just reinsert him back into the fold in like three weeks? Like, there are so many different weird things about this that Kevin Pritchard and this group. I I don't I don't know if there's a right answer here because I I his value is not great. The stuff right here, like if you're another team, do you really want to bring Victor Oladipo at this point into your into your incubator? If you're happy with your collection of guys, like do you really I want think to? You drop absolutely them in there? do. You absolutely do. I, okay. I, I think you absolutely do. I I do have a I do have a uh, uh, a minor minor bone to pick with 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 one of the takes you had. How close is Indy? Like, are they? close to being a contender in the East? Are they close to being a contender for an Easter conference final spot? Like I, how close are they really? Well, I think it depends on what Oladipo is in 2020, 2021. Like, is he closer to that player we saw go toe to toe with LeBron two years ago? Or is he just someone who's going to be a shell of himself and the injuries are just, too much and he's not a, i don't even know if it's oladipo though i i think it's just that that entire team in general well no that because... entire team's deep like i like the pacers team they're a 50 win team if they're all healthy like that is just too many veterans too many guys who know how to play too many just really competent basketball players for them not to win 50 games but that east is i mean there's this there's this 
middle section of the Eastern Conference. It's like, you know, you go two through nine, mm-hmm. uh, ten, ten, ten on a good day. It seems like there there's not much separating anybody. And yeah, if Indy can, you know, if Indy makes the playoffs and they and they get the right pairing in the end, get the right matchup, sure. I I guess I'm just not buying stock in the Pacers when I can buy the same stock in two or three other teams that oh okay. I, I'm not as sold on Indy as as some are, as, as you are. I'm just. I, I, I'm not I'm saying just, I'm sold I'm, on Indy. I just think that they right, have a lot right, of I competent gotcha. basketball players. I think there are just too many competent players that um, will limit them from really not being really good when they're all on the floor together. Also, quiz time, folks. Um, can you name the current head coach of the Indiana Pacers? One doesn't exist. Or mm. no, no, it, it does he exist. Does exist. It's, uh, for, former assistant in OKC, I want to say. It's, Bob, uh, your it's guess? Beloved pop star Bjork, it's beloved pop star Bjork. It is Bjork. Um, Nate Bjorkian. Yeah, she, uh, you know, I, I didn't think like uh, an Icelandic pop star had the chops <laughs> to make it in the NBA. But, you know, look, it's a, it, it, it's a progressive time we're living in right now. And so these things can happen. I'll, I'll run up you. Who is the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder? Mike Dublay. It's the oh, I know it is. It's the guy who is in the bit from Norm Macdonald in uh, the Moth Joke. I, I I don't even know half of those words. <laughs> Norm Macdonald, do you know like you know his Moth Joke stuff, right? No. What? No, I stopped paying the Norm Macdonald probably around 1992. Well, you're missing out because Norm Macdonald's probably the funniest comedian of all time. And Norm Macdonald trolling mm. people on mm. uh, late night talk shows are incredible. But he has this whole bit about this long way of just like his, his joke's extremely dumb, but he spends 17 minutes getting to the punchline and he makes up these names. And I swear one of the names is like Jacques Tussaud and Mike Thibodeau and like these made up French names. I don't know. Yeah, none of that sounds very funny. I mean, it's possible you're butchering Norm Macdonald's material, and that's it's very, why it sounds... It's very possible. I've seen him also live at the Comedy Store in L.A. Love me some Norm. Norm's great. Uh, Norm, Norm Macdonald doing the uh, 1940s book of jokes at the Bob Saget roast uh, might be the second funniest thing he's done. There we go. Uh, the, the first funniest thing he's ever done was the ESPYs monologue. I don't even remember that. Oh my God, Chase! Listen to the Norm Macdonald ESPYS monologue. It's possibly the uh, greatest uh, seven to eight minutes I've seen at an ESPYS. Bob which Silverman is not has left the chat. Much. I think Bob Silverman left you the know, chat. You know what the best stand-up set I've ever seen in my life is live. Oh, I'm ready Bob for Cat this. Oh, Bob I can Cat see that. Gold. Yeah. It Bobcat. I was living with. Uh, I, I just graduated from school, but some friends of mine were still uh, at Columbia. And so I was living in um, an apartment they had uptown near Columbia. And he did a set at Columbia. And he, you know, he, after about five minutes, he was just like, ah, I'm bored doing my regular material. Just ask me questions. And he just responded to questions from the audience. And they were great. And the two best ones, which I will always remember. And he, you know, he was like, 
some some kid asked him like why do you always talk about the things that make you sad like it seems like your life is pretty good and he goes goes huh interesting interesting question interesting uh do you guys uh you guys ever been to the dog track? And he, he looks at it and goes, no, 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 you, you Columbia kids would never injure your lily white college hands going to a dog track, would you? No, of course not. Well, let me tell you something about the dog track. The way it works is that the dogs race around the track and you bet on them. And if your horse comes in, the first you win a prize. And the problem is, though, dogs will not run by their own volition. So you have to give them a bit of an incentive. And the way you do that is they have this little metal rabbit that runs around the track. It's not that the dogs think it's a real rabbit and chase it. It's that the, it's that the rabbit is sprayed with pheromones. And so the dogs go crazy and they run after it. And every now and then, every once in a blue moon, you'll get a dog that's fast enough to actually catch the rabbit. And they catch the rabbit, they get it between their teeth, and they realize, oh, it's not a real animal. It's not a potential target. It's not real. And so then the dog stops running, and so they kill it. That's what fame is, kids. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was really dark. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. That's, that's, that sounds like me after watching uh, after watching my favorite team just give up my hopes and I know what's coming. And I'm just like, you know what? I feel like I'm the dog at that point. They, didn't he, he's like someone else asked him something about like happiness. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess all you kids are pissed off because I'm not doing the voice from police academy i understand that that's disappointing he goes look there there are comedians who'll do the same thing every single time you go and you show up at the set and you know exactly what you're going to get and they'll you know they'll even talk about things in life that bring them joy and happiness and pleasure like uh bill cosby bill cosby's got a great set kids you'd probably love him of course bill doesn't talk about the things that really make him happy it's not all jello pudding pops you know kids but you know what really makes bob happy and he said at the time and i swear you he goes slipping a roofie in the drink of a hooker he just paid for that's what bob that's what bill cosby really likes so like bill like bobcat blew up the bill cosby sexual assault story like freaking two decades before Hannibal Buress spilled the beans on stage. And I didn't even like, I didn't even remember that he'd done so until many, many years after the fact. Russell Westbrook. Um, I know it's <laughs> Right. Oh man, these are great. I love I love these transitions. Um Russell Westbrook, uh potentially on the market. We're entering the sad phase, the the Allen Iverson, Memphis Grizzlies phase of Russell Westbrook's career. Um Wow That's where we're entering, man. The it's it's dark times on the Russell Westbrook timeline. That's, I think. that's wow. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, Wow, I mean, you aren't wrong. I'm just like Jesus Christ. Like it's over. Um, I, I don't know. Like Bob, do you, we, like you watch the Knicks last year. You know the Knicks are going to be bad this year. Would you at least yeah. like to see 
Russell Westbrook playing bad basketball for this group and averaging 30, 10, and 10 with a bunch of bad basketball you know, players? Or would you rather all not? My, all, you know, all the lads in the group chat have, have, have hit me up about for my Russ takes here because there are a lot of, you know, signs and portents indicating that it may happen, not just the usual gossip merchants uh, saying that the Knicks are interested in various forms. Um, uh, like, imagine if, um, even, no, I don't want Russell, I love Russell Westbrook, peak Russell Westbrook. The Russell Westbrook who emerged the first time Kevin Durant got hurt. And before this is before he averaged, you know, a triple-double. The first time Durant got injured halfway through, I think it was the 2014 season, 2013, 2014, 2014, 2015 it might have been. And Russ just exploded for the first time. Russ sat there and went, oh, I don't have to give Kevin Durant 20 to 25 shots a game. It's mine now. And just went hog wild was awesome. It was great. And he led this ultimately futile charge to get the Thunder back into the playoffs. But he was just destroying people in a way that was different and kind of cooler than, you know, during the lockout year when Dame started throwing in 40-footers. That was extremely cool and fun also. Like Dame's run of 50-point games was extremely cool. But this was – if there's something about Russ when he's on that is so visceral and exciting that it is completely unlike any other player in the NBA. And I don't know if the the grim Knicks portion of Russ's career is something I'm really emotionally ready for as a Russ fan or a Knicks fan. I'm just, I'm just Ian, not – Ian Michael Jordan yeah. should, like, chill. That's what should happen. I just – there are certain guys that we we just knew when they came into the league that this player is not going to age well. Like, he's just not, not even just, like, the physical aspect yeah. of it, but also just, like, who they are as a player. Like, just their mindset. Like, Russ was never going to age gracefully. He was never going to be someone who was like, you know what? I'm going to be the fourth guy when I really start to uh, deteriorate I'm not going to be a closer I'm just going to be a cutter like I'm just going to be so like he's never going to think like that like that's just not like once that's all over for me and it gets really sad he's just going to be out of the league and that's just it and Iverson was the same way and people like that where it's just they're not they're not going to just age well they're not going to do that Carmelo Anthony like honestly has really gone down this way and I don't know. I, I don't know what I want to see from Westbrook, but like where I'd actually be most interested are the kind of situations that he's not interested in from a mental standpoint. So it's like, I I guess I'd just rather watch him put up crazy numbers in Charlotte or New York and just see what happens. And also just New York would be more interesting, I guess, on the basketball front. If we get KD in Brooklyn and Russ in New York, like that, I guess, is a little bit cool um I, I i don't know like it's just all very sad and it's not like getting russ is like step one get russell westbrook step two question mark like what is uh i don't know what the long-term plan is uh with tibbs and westbrook and leon rose in this group if uh they bring in westbrook i don't really know where they're going like what would that signal to you I, as a fan i would like them to get i would like them still to get chris paul i still would i, I have a feeling Phoenix can outbid them, but I would like them to get 
Chris Paul. Speaking please. of guys, I don't care about at this point and where they're going to go because they're not going to move the needle wherever they go. Like Chris Paul is just not there. It 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 ended two years ago. Like it's he is not moving the needle in Phoenix. He's not moving the needle in New York. I don't care about the needle. Chris Paul kicks ass. I Whoa, would like watching. Hold on. The New York Times has been through a lot the last couple of weeks. Don't don't go at the New York Times on this podcast, Bob. I didn't. Hey, Chase. I, the needle. The needle. New York oh, Times needle. Womp, yeah. Womp, womp, yeah. Womp, <laughs> fellas, fellas, I'm just gonna say this: the issue and why when I saw Russell Westbrook in New York, as you know, I, I saw that pop up. My first thought was, oh. This is Mellow 2.0. Huh. Then here, here's what here's why New York needs to stay far the hell away from this. You have a lot of young players in uh, in, in Knicks uniforms right now. They may not be the guys that will carry you over the finish line, but you don't mortgage your future to get a guy just to, I mean, this isn't champions league. You aren't going to like top four is not going to give you any type of incentive in terms of postseason. Congratulations. You're, you know, you have home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs. Congratulations. The Knicks, if you give up, one or two players, a draft pick, you know, if it's a three team deal, maybe you're giving up three players and they're going to two different teams. You don't want to mortgage any type of future that you have on an aging player that you don't know is going to give you two to three years of whatever he has left. And when I saw that with the Knicks, and, and this, you know, this rumor going on, my first thought was, oh, this is Carmelo 2.0. Because you have to remember what happened with the Nuggets kind of in the aftermath for maybe two or three years. Those Nuggets teams were good. I mean, they weren't necessarily finals contenders, but they helped, you know, essentially they helped George Carl get coach of the year before he got fired, of course. Um, so you have enough young talent and if you're going to be in a rebuild be in a rebuild commit to a rebuild but don't bring in all these coaches don't bring in all these developmental guys and then you're just essentially going to rip up the blueprint before you even start you know putting the shovel in the dirt that's all i'm saying with this I don't think New York will pull it off because I think Tibbs and Westbrook is a match made in hell. Um, but knowing the Knicks and they're like the, they're Real Madrid with a uh, they have a Real Madrid bank account, but spend it like MC Hammer. Um, I can absolutely see them trading for Russell West Russell Westbrook and two or three of the guys that go in that that go away from that deal end up becoming all-stars down the road. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the Russell what's been floated at least to, if you want to take the New York Post at its word is that like is that is that uh, Rose is bargain shopping and he'll be like, "Look, the Knicks have 
the one asset the Knicks definitely have is cap space. And if you want to take Julius Randle and one of the non-guaranteed contracts that they got on the roster, like, uh, let's say, Bobby Portis, yeah, that's what you can have for Russell Westbrook. We will get Russell off your cap. That is it. And even then, I wouldn't do it. I um, The option for him is... Milwaukee is the team that takes the big swing. And that's where I really want to see him. I would like to see Milwaukee take the big swing because ultimately (sighs) Milwaukee has to take a big swing this offseason. They have to, if they can't get Chris Paul, they don't have the assets to get Chris Paul. Like that would be priority one is getting Chris Paul. But if they can't do that, you still have to take a swing because this is it for Giannis. This is, this is it. You have one more shot. Boy, I do not like Milwaukee's spacing with Giannis and Russ on the floor at the same time. Look, Russ is Russ is at this point in his career in this iteration of is the it NBA. Is it gonna be that much worse Russ than is, Bledsoe? Russ, yeah, it is. Okay. Russ shot under thirty percent from three. Mm-hmm. Russ, Russ stopped shooting threes after Houston went small ball, and he was good. Um, and he was good because he was pretty much playing center on offense and defense. Now, granted, look, they had they had Covington and PJ Tucker to like deal with the occasional guy in the post, but he was functioning in many ways as a center. That's what Russ is. Russ is a six foot four front court player at this point. So that is a very specific thing. I mean, or that is what he should. That's how he should be used. I don't know if he is willing to accept that. He still wants to be the same guy he was in Oklahoma City dominating the ball getting, you know, racking up a 30% usage rate. So, um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be comfortable with, like, deferring most of the possession to Giannis Antetokounmpo. That seems like a bad, like, yeah, Milwaukee needs to do something, but I don't think it's Russ. That would be a terrible idea. I would go down with the ship. That's my whole thing. Is like I just think they need to throw yeah, shit but, at the wall. I think they are yeah, a team that just throws shit at the wall. You know when you go down with the ship, you drown. That's <laughs> the end result of that, right? You, 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 you understand maritime law, Chase? Come on. If if Am Russell I, Westbrook, yeah. if if sorry to interrupt, Chase. Um, but if Russell Westbrook goes to Milwaukee, I just want to get a camera on Pat Riley because you know what he's going to be doing. He's going to be lighting a blunt and ordering another Eastern Conference Finals uh, banner. I mean, you, you, you have a team in Miami that has so much cap. Like, I figured Pat Riley would be loading up for one more run in 2021, 2022, something like that. That came a year early. If this team is... Anywhere close to what they were, you know, this past season, like a month ago, I don't see how Milwaukee gets close to them. Maybe Toronto and Boston are, I say, are, are in that my group. Favorite, but, well, I think the favorite should be Brooklyn next year. Brooklyn should be the favorite. I'm to not win the buying East. it. Nope. No, no, no. Brooklyn. Nope. If Katie is nope. healthy, Brooklyn is winning the East. Like the, I don't. Like no, Katie is winning buddy. the East. No. Katie and Kyrie are winning no. the East. Yeah, they're they're winning no. the East. No, 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 no. You're it, you're wrong. It is November fourteenth, twenty twenty. 
Chase is going oh. out and saying Brooklyn will be the Eastern Conference representative. I um, saw I saw Brooklyn in the third person like that on I I saw Brooklyn go all in on an aging group of players that you oh, they don't were do basically it's not the same. I'm just saying it's not, not the, same. the same. It's not the same, but here's the thing Chase, you've got a team that's going to go all in we don't even know if this is actually going to work. They might trade for James Harden in the next week. Okay, so you're going to have three, you're going to have three alphas mm-hmm. on one. Wow, team. getting the old 2011 Thunder back together. Yeah, that's they, winning the East. That's absolutely no, easily winning no, the East. Not, not even Who, close. Where, where's, it's where's, done. where's the, the Rockets the aren't trading? The Rockets aren't trading Harden. One, two. Let's see what Katie looks like coming back from. Yeah. The worst injury in basketball, one that one player has returned at 90% of his former self. Also, and that was can I get a 20. fully healthy Kyrie? Yeah, Kyrie is never healthy. Look right. at Kyrie's game slate per year. Kyrie misses 20 games a year every year, sometimes more. Kyrie has a lot of trouble staying healthy. I'm sorry. And it's weird. And then they got pieces that just don't fit well together. I dig Karis LeVert a lot, but I, uh, him as the third or fourth ball handler with Spencer Dinwiddie, and they need to read sign Harris, and for some, they have to play DeAndre Jordan major minutes because he's friends with Kyrie and, and Durant. But he was fine and down the stretch have, last year. He was fine. DeAndre Jordan no, wasn't he, that bad. He wasn't that bad. And Joe Harris is objectively great. Oh, Joe Harris is a very good player. And Spencer did what he's probably getting traded. He's not working as a mixologist (laughs) in a, in a red side, like fancy bar. Yes. He's Mm. quite, quite a good floor spacer, but no, DeAndre Jordan is, but, um, and Mm. we have no idea what Kevin, what, what Steve Nash is going to be like as a head coach. Well, he's got Mike D'Antoni, M.A. Udoka. He's got a good staff. I'm sure that won't get weird. I'm sure that won't get awkward if, if the team doesn't start you out could, well. The point thing is, you could argue that the three assistants Steve Nash has are probably more qualified for the job than Steve Nash. Ime Udoka deserves the job. Someone hire Ime Udoka. He deserves a good Either job. he or Becky Hammond is going to get that Spurs job. And no, I Spurs is locked up. It's Bill Self. Did you see who they just named their head coach for well, their G we League? We did this already. You know, we yeah. did, we it's Bill Self. It's a hundred percent Bill Self. His son no. just got named the head coach of the G League team. Like, it, it, it's happening. Um, hey Chase, mm-hmm. do me a favor. Yes, go get a piece of your mail because mm-hmm. I believe the address on your apartment says Chase Thomas, one hundred eight Wrong Street. <laughs> okay, I laughed. <laughs> wrong I, I laughed. That was pretty funny. That, 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 yeah. that, that, that was pretty funny. Thanks, friend. Uh, Chase, you're wrong. You're wrong about mm. Bill Self. You're wrong about the Nets. Mm. Just, just you, you, it's not like you keep saying more wrong things. <laughs> we'll, we'll forget the first thing you said that was also wrong. I'm just letting you know. Um, I think that's a... I don't like how close of a comparison that is to a certain figure in our uh, social consciousness. I um, like your dad. You what? Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to go there. I had to go there, but no Chase. Uh, but seriously, Chase, your your investment in the Brooklyn Nets and then doubling down on Bill Self, uh 
That's adorable, bro. Both it are really happening. Is, it's, 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 it's that, that blind optimism that it's going to happen. Oh, man, I wish I, I, I wish I had that. I wish I had your youth and optimism. Now I'm just it's old like, and craggy. All the people sad. who say like whenever like an NBA coaching gig opens up that John Calipari is a finalist. No, it's like, not John Calipari. Bill Self is not getting any of these other jobs. It's just a Spurs job. He's waiting it out until Kansas gets a death penalty and then he's moving on. No, no. Yeah. No. Bill Self, lock it in. I, I don't. I don't see it. I. I, I do lock not it in. see it. Well, the only reason I say I don't see it is being one being from Kansas, two having attended Kansas for two and a half years. The issue that Bill Self and 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 that fan base, it's so. And by the way, I don't think Kansas is going to get dinged as much as uh, people think. I, I, I think a lot of that uh, that 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 big controversy with you know with essentially everybody, the NCAA is not going to pull the trigger like they should. They never do. They 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 are so afraid of the of using the death penalty. That's why everybody still gets away with crap. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, two, why would Bill Self leave Lawrence? Like, why, like, why would he leave? I mean, he's already won like his he, titles. He doesn't need it anymore. Like, it's a new challenge. He doesn't but, need it anymore. But, but <laughs> also, also, uh, all he has to do is look at John Beeline. Look at John Beeline. Or he can look Beeline at Brad Stevens. Honest move. Nope. Nope. Billy Donovan. Brad, Butler is not Kansas. Billy Butler Donovan not- won his title at Florida. Florida was a great job. He left Florida. He's happy. Billy Donovan. Well, okay, here's the thing. Billy Donovan should have taken the Orlando job when he when he did. Um, I, I I say that to this day. Should have taken the Orlando job. Don't renege on that. Uh, the issue that <laughs> Brad Stevens works because. You know, you can relate to players. Bill Self, you know, he 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 can relate to NBA guys. The issue for John Beeline and why he why I have the the same worry is John Beeline could have stayed at Michigan forever. He didn't need to go to the pros. Bill Self doesn't need to go to the pros. And if you're going to use that old school college mentality on pros that have been there, no. It, it, it ain't working. Um, yeah. Like I look at John Beeline and, and that is the perfect. Yeah. That's why most college guys should never go pro. Uh, John Beeline is essentially the new Mike Montgomery. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Warriors, Ooh. Warriors fans who don't know who, or who, who know who Mike Montgomery is, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, uh, give you a high five for that. Um, but no, I mean, Bill Self doesn't need the pros. I honestly, I would like him to. See, I would like him to coach Team USA, though, because um, I, I think he would be a great coach for that. Uh, but the issue is their cycle, uh, the Olympic, the international basketball cycle, and the pro cycle. Like all, all of that is a big kind of sort of a nightmare. Um, coach K did a great job of it, but. At the same time, Coach K could like 
he was Coach K and, you know, essentially everybody would come and play for him. I don't know if Bill Self has that much. I mean, he has sway. I don't know if he has that much sway as much as, much as Coach K did. Mm. On a happier note, the last topic for today's show, Kim NG um, is now the new general manager of the Miami Marlins. Bob, have you been familiar with her uh, dating back to the Yankees time like 30 years ago and just how uh, she was the youngest assistant GM, I think, in MLB history, and then it took this long to finally just get a GM job altogether. Uh, What do you make of this? Oh, that's cool. Uh, It's cool. No, I don't. I do not remember like her with the Yankees 30 years ago. No, that is not something I recall. Um, It's great. Look, I mean, I saw a tweet where someone says like she already has the she is the most she like the the list of her qualifications prior to finally getting a GM chair is pretty staggering. Um, And uh, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's great. I think it's awesome. She tells a story about like the number of times she had to like, she showed up at like the ballpark whenever she was working with the Dodgers and someone would say like, hi, what are you doing here? She's like, I work for the team. And people would say like, no, really, what are you doing here? She's like, I work for the team. And they'd say, where are you from? And she's like, New York. I grew up like Indiana, New York. Um, I work for the team. And it's like, it's great. It's great news for her. I'm happy. It's a good story. Yay. But, you know, look, doesn't mean that I'm not going to stop crapping on Derek Jeter. I'm still going to say Derek Jeter sucks. (laughs) Andrew, what do you think? So, first off, um, as a New Yorker, as a New Yorker, Bob, I didn't know that there was that much Derek Jeter hatred. Um, But two, I... I'm fine with the move. Like I, I knew of her. I knew, I knew she had had a lot of front office experience, but just kind of di- doing a deep dive yesterday. It was, oh shit! Like she's, she's absolutely qualified. She's maybe overqualified. And I saw a, a, a tweet talking about the years of experience that she has in baseball compared to when Theo Epstein got the job at the Red Sox. I'm like, okay, yeah, we, yeah. Um, Nothing but the best for her. Uh, as much as I want to see her succeed, I have a beef against the Miami Marlins. Um, and it's it's more of the inner workings and the dynamics of the current baseball structure that I have beef with the Miami Marlins. Uh, but, you know, I'll root for her, though. But screw that franchise that, you know, hopefully she will. She will, her first meeting will be, hey, boys, let's not tank every five years and then just decide to you know go win a world series let's actually build something but it does seem like the well it's also going to be weird because i wonder what they're going to do based on the fact they overachieved a lot like their offense sucked like historically bad great defense but they still were a little bit ahead of schedule they make the playoffs the expanded uh format the nationals are not going to be as bad as they were this year next year they're going to spend. They'll be better. The Phillies should be a little better. The Mets should be a lot better. And the Mets are number one in offense this year in WRC plus as a team. Um, they should be healthier. Stroman opted in. Like there's, it, it's going to be interesting to shout see out what, to Tony Larusa for uh, oh for, for 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 making that move. Um, 
I am I'm interested to see what the NL East looks like because I think the NL East is going to be jumbled and I think um, there's just a lot of intrigue here. Like they're the Phillies reshuffled their organization. The Braves are about to start cutting payroll after coming off three straight NL East titles. The Mets now the richest owner in sports and they're cleaning house and Sandy is getting his guys in there and they basically have their pick of which smart baseball mind they want to come in and run the front office and then you have the marlins sitting here hiring kim and g uh being ahead of schedule jeter taking like just tearing it all apart but getting like trading for sterling Marte and getting hey, in there a hey, little pause bit. for pause for one second not to cut you off midstream but it's kim ang just so you know oh yeah, yeah if kim you want to correct mm-hmm. okay um but yeah i just i think it's going to be interesting i i don't I don't know what to make of all of these different things. And I'm curious to see what she does and how much wiggle room she's given by this ownership group in Miami to start spending and to kind of get this thing going because the Marlins were a playoff team this year and really could be uh, in the mix next year if they add some more pieces, especially on offense. So I'm, I'm curious if we see her go after DJ LeMahieu or something this winter. I'm not sure. Chase real quick. Um, mm-hmm. And Bob, please chime in. Um, are they keeping the expanded playoff format? Uh, it hasn't been yeah, announced probably. yet. Probably hasn't been okay. announced, but they're gonna, it's a money grab. They're definitely okay. That's 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 what I figured. I knew it probably wasn't official, official, but I knew that at, at last check they were leaning that way. Um, Chase, you made a great point with the NL East. I wonder how many playoff teams are going to come out of that. Um, and so, yeah, no, th- that division will be fun. And, yeah, if if the Marlins can, like, you know, be consistent, why not? Like, why why not the Marlins? Um, I know we all have our anti-Jeter bias, but, you know, go Kim. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Bob, what was the best thing you read this yeah. week? What, what, what is your pick this uh. week? My pick for the best thing this week. I don't know, man. It was a weird, it's a really weird week. I was I was down in research mode all week, and I didn't I didn't read a lot of stories on the internet. Let me defer to Andrew, and I'm going to think about that. Okay. See, Bob, why got do that? Because I was just kind of mentally exhausted from the last week, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like this week, it was just kind of like, okay, everything's over. Um, I, Here, I, I, I got something. I got something. Here it is. This is not, in fact, it's, it's actually the opposite. The coolest thing this week that I read was when on Saturday morning, right before the call was made uh, by the AP, um, I was actually out. I was getting going to my local coffee place to treat myself to my, a nice iced coffee on the last warm day. And um, I found out that they called the race because everyone on the street started honking their car horns and, you know, cheering and shouting and people were banging pots and pans outside the window. And it was so exciting to deliver, to be given information in a pre-industrial age town crier type way rather than getting an alert on my phone. That was kind of great for me. It was actually not reading anything at all was the best thing I read this week. That's my answer. There you go. Nice. Well, this week should be interesting. Uh, do y'all have any uh, big Thanksgiving plans yet? Do you know what you're going to do? Not a damn thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe if it's warm enough, uh, my sister has a backyard, so we could 
me and her and her kids can like eat outside. Maybe we'll see again if it's worth enough. Yeah, otherwise, nope. Some Zoom calls. Sad. I'm 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 fully anticipating on everything just being locked down for the for 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 the next like three to four months. Hmm. It could happen. Yeah. All right. What can we check out from you this week, Andrew? What would you like to plug before we get out of here? Um. Yeah. So, uh, we scheduling has been a uh, an issue for for this upcoming episode. But no, I will have uh, uh John Walters from a former uh, Sports Illustrated uh, football or college football writer. He's going to be on uh, Into the Archives with Aham, and we're going to uh, take a deep dive into the BCS. All right. Check that out. Uh, Bob. What about you? Nothing new this week. Working on the next uh, big blog. So hopefully soon we'll see waiting. Um, it's, it's a lot of reporting. I've got like, I've got a good 20 interviews to transcribe in the next two to three days. So it's going to be a fun one. Well, that sounds fun. Nothing better than yeah. transcribing interviews. We love it, yep. folks. We, we, we love it. Um, well, thank you guys. As always, go check out chasemspodcast.com. And also, if you like listening to Bob and Andrew and I talk sports and assembling, typically on Friday afternoons, uh, leave us a rating review and let us know uh, on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify, whatever it is. Um, Guys, thank you as always for the time. We will be back next week. Uh, Guys, thank you so much. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond. Pros have trusted it for over 50 years. But uh, why hire a pro when you can J.B. Weld it? J.B. Weld makes it easy to do yourself. We're proud to have J.B. Weld Adhesives as a sponsor. I personally know the owner. Hung out with these guys down at the uh, car show there. And um, I have all their products. What can I say? DIY projects, good. Auto stuff, crafts, plumbing, marine. All the applications. I use a product to fix Sonny's tennis shoe. Save myself some money. Stromer use it to fix his tray on his wet saw because he's doing some tile work. Different product, but all made by JB Weld. JB Weld just acquired Herculiner, the original DIY truck bed liner. So if you're looking for the world's strongest truck bed liner, Herculiner, has you covered. It's J.B. Weld, right, Dawson? J.B. Weld is available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, AutoZone, Advance Auto Parts, Napa, O'Reilly, Amazon, Michaels, and more. And remember, J.B. Weld epoxy products are proudly made in the USA. J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond.